This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome to AutoCorrect, helping you correct your auto problems. I'm Liz Gill, and I'm with the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker, ASE certified. Hello, Allison. Hey, Liz. Today, we're going to talk about how to read those check engine codes, but that's just between your vehicle repair calls. Uh, you know, I'm, I am just so ashamed to say that I still am driving around with a check engine code on my van. But, uh, you know, what? we've taken it in like five times and they say it's the number three injector. No, no, it's the number five injector. It's no, no, it's the number seven. And uh, <laughs> anyway, that's that's a different that's a different story for uh, a different show. We've talked about check engine messages before, but today I want to talk specifically about how to read them. If, uh, okay, so first off, what, uh, how does the check engine, if you have a problem with your car, does it always throw up a check engine light? Well, the, what the uh, check engine light comes on for, it specifically means there's something affecting the emissions system, and that is to help with the environment. So basically, your check engine light is saying it's running rich or something's running wrong, and we're not able to get the emissions and, and get the, that out of the air, and so there's a problem. We need to fix it. So that's actually what sets off a check engine light. You can still have codes for other things in your car that will not set off a check engine light. But if it affects emissions, it will set off a check engine light. And that's the way to look at that. Well, do you think, I guess every time somebody changes the oil, whether it's you or somebody else, is that a good time? Do they usually check to see if you have any codes? No, they don't. You have to put it onto a scanner and read the codes, and only if you're you're having a problem or you request the, the codes being read. Um, something that can have a problem that will, will have a code that will not set a check engine light is say you have a door act or actuator on the door that changes your vent mode and that needs to be reactuated or something like that, that can set a code off and it'll be on in your computer on your onboard diagnostic system, but not set a check engine light off. It will technically set a code off though. And that's that's an example of something and, and that affects your AC and your heating system. Um, you have radio codes that can that can be in your in your computer that you can read with the scanner that will not set a check engine light off well so how how often do you think a person should uh get their check engine get your codes read um just when you have a problem any kind of problem with your car whether it's the radio acting up your ac is acting up these days almost everything is controlled from your computer and that's all you're doing is reading your computer on your car to see what all is going on so anytime you have any kind of problem 
these days you want to have it checked and go through and check your through your OBD2 reader, your onboard diagnostic report. Now, if if a, you're a person, someone's a person who just wants somebody else to take care of their car, but kind of likes to know what's going on, how can they find out what the check engine light means if it, that does pop up? Where can they go and get their code read? At any car place pretty much has a code reader these days. Um, independent shops will probably be the best at diagnosing an engine code problem because their techs are usually more qualified and you know usually they own the shop that they're working at and, and that sort of thing and they get more intense to it it's it's actually a very technical thing to do to read the codes and understand how the systems work so it takes a really good tech to do that. I would recommend looking for an ASD certified tech and and someone with experience, a lot of experience on diagnosing codes. What you get, like, where do you take your van to get codes read, Liz? Where are you? Are you taking it to a dealership or to an independent shop? Well, sometimes we'll go just to, you know, Auto Pro, O'Reilly's, Advanced Auto Parts, something like that. And then we might take it uh, to the dealer or to a car care place. But then sometimes we also have a independent mechanic. Okay. <laughs> so we got it, it, it just and, and sort of depends. And able to pinpoint the problem. Um, that Because it, 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 it can be hard to to understand how the systems work and how they relate to each other and what can be happening to read the codes and understand. Um, there's software that helps understand it. There's all data. There's Mitchell. There's Identifix that basically buy the information from the car manufacturer and then put it into the computer where it's easier to look up. And that helps, and knowing how to navigate that also helps diagnose a problem. So it, it actually takes a good bit of expertise sometimes, depending on what the code is, to check it and see exactly what is really going on. Because, for instance, you can have it saying the oxygen sensor is out of range, and that doesn't mean you have an oxygen sensor problem. It could but it could also mean that you actually have a running rich problem, which could be caused from another sensor that's saying we're reading wrong and we need to richen the air-fuel ratio. So you have multiple things that can be going on, and it, and it takes a good bit of expertise and, and experience to diagnose uh, some trouble codes. Allison, um, who should have their own check engine code reader definitely any kind of independent mechanic some DIYers are can kind of navigate that world um i had a friend of mine who had the abs light come on after he had done a brake job and i said you need a code reader that will read the abs I said, more than likely, you bump the sensor or something like that on there, and you can read it and know which 
will speed sensor it is, and perhaps it just needs adjusting or tightened or it's been rubbed or something. So he got one of the OBD2 readers. One of them that's good is called Blue Driver, and it's a Bluetooth-style one. It read ABS codes, and he was, and I, I believe that's the one he used. And he was able to read his code and know which tire, which air, which side of the car the brake problem was, the ABS problem. It was the sensor. It had been rubbed. And he replaced it and was able to fix it himself. So that was a DIY situation where he was able to use the code scanner and fix his own problem. Okay, so you've mentioned uh, you happen to have recommended Blue Driver to someone. Is this a standalone machine? Is this an app someone puts on their cell phone? What it is is you buy the the driver, which is $100, and you plug it into your OBD2 port, and then you put the app on your phone, and so you use your phone, but you have to have that little adapter that you plug in that reads the codes and, and Bluetooth it to your phone. And that's why it's called a blue driver. That's one of the ones that do that. There are multiple ones, but I've heard of blue driver being one of the better ones. And it's $100. Okay. And that, that's a good, good one, a good starter one to begin with. We're going to have more about code reading. Code reading. Sounds like a James Bond thing. Um, Send us your emails, auto at mpbonline.org. Is your car under recall? We'll have a list of ones that are when we come back. You're listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. contractor ever tell you the price of something and it sounds so high you think "Eh, maybe i'll try it myself some jobs just aren't that difficult and yes you can do it if you want to find out how to do those things listen to fix it 101 podcast everywhere you're listening to autocorrect with allison walker the lady auto mechanic i'm liz gill Hey, if you want even more autocorrect, we hope you find our podcast. It's on all podcasting platforms for your smart device. Be sure to put that space in. It's auto space correct. Here are the recalls for the week. 183,000 different um, 2018 to 2020 Toyota Tundras. There's a wire harness that's connected to the front turn signal bulbs that are under recall. 2014 to 2019 Mitsubishi Outlander. Outlander P-H-E-W. Allison, do you know what P-H-E-W is? Plug-in hybrid electric vehicle, I believe. Okay. Anyway, their second row center seat belt buckle has a recall. The 2020 Nissan Leaf has a recall with its backup camera. The 2016-2020 Lincoln MKX and Nautilus has a front passenger seat wiring harness problem. And the 2020 Ford Escape and Transit, the curtain airbag may not inflate properly during deployment. You can find out if your car has a past recall by going to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration's website, nh 
tsa.gov slash recalls and input your VIN number because every car is different in a car made on a Wednesday might have a recall, but a car made on Friday might not. So you need to check out your very own. Today we're talking about reading your check engine codes, but that's just between your vehicle repair questions. Our email address is auto at mpbonline.org. Let's go to Dennis in Ocean Springs. Love Ocean Springs. Dennis, uh, thanks for calling in. What's up with you today? Good morning. Ocean Springs is wet this morning. (laughs) Oh, that's kind of (laughs) nice. A couple of things about the code readers. Um, $100 to buy one might sound like a lot, but I'm going to give you a couple examples of where you can even do more than uh, just, you know, check emissions. I have some pretty nice cars. I have a BMW, for example. And if you want to put a new battery in a new BMW and you go to BMW, they're going to charge you the better part of $500. The batteries double what it ought to be. And more importantly, the it ha- the car has to learn that it has a new battery in it. It's a very sophisticated charging system. They have a code reader that will do that. But you can buy a code reader. I have one, and I can teach my BMW to learn itself that it's got a new battery in it so it'll charge it properly so i can go to autozone and get a battery for 120 bucks i've in other words i've more than paid for the price of the code reader another example would be my porsche uh it tells you every so often when it's due for an oil change or anything if you do your own oil change then you have to erase that code otherwise every time you start the car this thing's blinking on the dash saying you got change oil so if you want to go to a porsche dealership they're going to charge you god knows what to put it on their fancy porsche code reader and erase the thing so my my code reader will do that too so if you do your own work and you have a real sophisticated car it's money well spent and which obd2 reader is it that you use i was i knew you were going to ask me that and i'm so embarrassed i don't remember the brand i remember i paid about 120 dollars for it and i google i did some google homework on it you know like you know best code readers because there's a lot of information about which cars they'll read and this one can even be updated and i'm i'm not at home right now so i can't get it but i i don't remember but it's a it's a big it's a good brand you know and i've had is it the bluetooth style or it's the the handheld with the cord it's handheld with the cord, right? You got to okay. plug it into the into that plug in the bottom of your dashboard, right? right. And, and I, I think it might update itself. It might do a software update, Bluetooth. I'm not sure. I haven't done that yet. Uh, but either that, or you plug it into your home computer and it does updates. You know, there, there's a mechanism for that. I've just never done it yet. Awesome. Well, thanks for that information. That's really good for people to to know about. Yeah, well, it might save you some money. <laughs> okay. Yes, indeed. It used to be a lot simpler. You just bought a battery, threw it in, and drove off. And uh, that's too simple for BM for BMW. Now they have to make everything complicated and expensive. Yeah, and there's some other manufacturers that are like that too. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Dennis. We we appre- Oh, we're so glad. We appreciate you calling in. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, you're welcome. All right, let's go to BJ, who's in Waynesboro. BJ, what you got for us today? Yeah, um, we have a Ford F-150 Lariat, and um, probably about two months ago, it started making just a ticking noise, and now when you crank it, it makes a growling noise, but we took it to the local auto parts place and had it, you know, they hooked it up to a little device and said, 
It wasn't, you know, it wasn't showing anything. There was nothing wrong with it. And it's just a Ford, so it's going to make a ticking noise. But I, I guess our problem with this is it has not always made a ticking noise. It's got 45,000 miles on it. It's had excellent care. Um, and so we're just kind of at a loss as to what to do next. It has only 45,000 miles on it? That's correct. And you've got a ticking noise coming from um, it, it, Go ahead. turned into a growling. Yeah. The, it, it always ticks. It makes that ticking noise. But when you first crank it, it makes a growling noise now. It's very odd. Almost wow. kind of, may, maybe it would, a better description would be almost like a grinding noise. Okay. It's, I've, I've never heard this noise come out of a vehicle before. But, um, and, and like I say, I mean, it's only got 45,000 miles on it. So, yeah, just, that's, um, it, it definitely a premature problem of some sort has happened. Um, what may be happening, and I'm, I'm guessing without having looked at it myself, right, right, is that maybe one of the timing chain guides has come loose, or the tensioner has loosened on the timing chain, and it's causing it to be out of time slightly. So you're getting some valve tick, and then okay. the chain is hitting something because it's looser and it's making a like a, a does it sound like it could be a chain possibly you know uh, now that you it that way yes yes that's a good way to describe it okay i'm i'm gonna kind of guess that something has prematurely happened with that system and that can be really serious Mm-hmm. Um, when the timing chain gets loose and it's hitting something like that, it can break it loose and cause a lot more damage. So if that timing chain broke, your valves could slap the, and it sounds like it's already slapping the head of the piston, that's bad enough and can cause a bent valve or something like that, which can just be more serious. So what may be something you can go ahead and get fixed right away um and it may not make a code come on it, oh, it's ooh, possible okay. that it's not making one and th- that it's not enough of a of a timing being off for it to set a, a code off but it's enough that it's still it's making noise and it's causing a, a valve to be out of time or the valves to be out of time. Um, it could be, because it, more than likely that has a variable valve timing system on it, and one of those have messed up, and it's not adjusting the timing the way it's supposed to, and for some reason it's not throwing a code. So you, you need some more intense diagnostics on this to find out what is actually happening with your vehicle, but I highly recommend you get it fixed as soon as possible. Okay, do you feel like, oh, we should so just take it more back serious. to the dealership? The what now? Do you feel like we should just take it back to the dealership? Yes, and 
and um and and tell them to to fix the problem um sometimes dealerships are really good at stuff like that sometimes they're not when you don't really know what you're getting but i would give them another chance to fix it and look into it and and tell them take their time diagnose it properly and let's you know get it fixed correctly a lot of people put pressure on let's just get it repaired instead of diagnosing it and you end up throwing parts at something and that's not actual fix on it sometimes it costs a little money for the diagnostics to be done properly but it's worth it because you're not just throwing parts at something that's not going to fix it right um if you feel like this dealership doesn't seem like they know what they're doing then see if you can find a really good mechanic who's familiar with that engine okay. in the area and ask them are you familiar with this engine have you worked on this engine before have you ever found there to be common problems with this this valve ticking this ticking noise and then this growling rattling noise that you're getting and and don't be afraid to ask them questions like that so but it's you need some more serious diagnostics done on this and i recommend you getting it fixed sooner than later so that it's not a more expensive repair okay possibly well, I, I, it's your comments and um i'm a big fan of your show oh thank you so much for listening okay thank you bye Thanks, BJ. Let's go ahead and go to Nancy, who's called in from Byram. Nancy, thank you so much for calling into AutoCorrect. Go ahead. Thank you. I have a 2019 Hyundai Santa Fe. I've driven it very little. Uh, It has about 2,000 miles on it. But I have a bright school bus yellow notice in the mail from uh, something, well, it doesn't identify itself. It says Motor Vehicle Service Notification, and it tells you that uh, your Hyundai is in need of a vehicle protection update in order to ensure its optimal operation. And it says, please call us today, and it gives us, or it gives the 800 number. My question is, is this legitimate from Hyundai? Because I don't see that, uh, I just don't believe it is. But I'm wondering, do you know anything about that kind of notice? Um, Yes, I do. Um, What you've gotten is basically just an advertisement for an extended warranty program. That's exactly what I was suspecting. Yeah. That's all that is. That's not from Hyundai. Hyundai wouldn't send you something like that. The after the extended warranty um, programs that they have out there are separate businesses from car manufacturers. And different right. car manufacturers have ones that they sell in house, but it's a different company that that does the warranty after the manufacturer warranty has gone out. Well, so this, this is a separate company that's just sent you an advertisement. Okay, that's what I thought. Uh, I know that the 19 Hyundai has uh, a 100,000-mile powertrain warranty. And so I yeah. can't imagine that, well, I just can't imagine with only 2,000 miles on this Hyundai, it's, it has been sitting in the garage. My other car that I use is from me and my dogs. <laughs> so... Yeah. Um, I don't drive the Hyundai very often. But at any rate, I thank you for your information. It, it kind of confirms a suspicion I had. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Oh, Nancy, we're so glad you called in. Thank you Thanks. very much. 
Our email address where you can send questions is auto at mpbonline.org. We're taking more of your car repair questions, maybe talk about some more check engine codes. Next, what is an unreliable car not to buy? We're going to get to that in a bit. You're listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. The information presented on this program is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult an appropriate professional for guidance about your concerns. No matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone, Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. for listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. Allison Walker, you know, she's the lady auto mechanic, is our expert. I'm Liz Gill. We hope that you've downloaded our app for your smartphone. It's the MPB Public Media app. So in addition to listening to our show on the MPB Public Media app, you can click on the support button and make a contribution. Contributions help keep our programs on the air for you and others to enjoy. So thank you so much for your contributions to Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Consumer Reports rounded up the poorest used models of the past decade. Today, we're going to caution you about the Fiat 500. Fiat Chrysler has 19 models listed as far below average in reliability by consumer reports in the last decade. So any used car shopper considering one should read up on them before buying new or used. Fiat's worst performer was the 500, which should be avoided for model years 12, 13, and 15. The 12 in particular proved to be, and they say, a disaster in body finish, brakes, suspension, and power equipment. Those are some strong words. So please consider... It's funny that you brought that that was the car for today because I was just reading up about the Fiat uh, recently, and they sold like 50000 the first year that they came back out in America, and then the numbers dropped drastically to like 1500 or 500 like the last couple of years that they were sold and so they're just awful cars (laughs) my brother was a fighter pilot and he went to the air force academy and they got paid at the air force academy as students and but they couldn't have a car so the they couldn't have a car until their last year so the seniors especially the pilots would buy these fancy super duper sports cars and he got a fiat spider and he just drove that for decades uh it was but that was in 76 you know that was a really long (laughs) a really long time ago before chrysler got involved so you should uh, please consider reading up on the reliability of this car before purchasing it as a used car suggests consumer reports carcomplaints.com is another resource for unreliable car lists 
But if you're interested in reviews of new cars, Casey Williams is the automotive correspondent for WFYI, a public radio station in Indianapolis. He's reviewed cars and covered the auto industry for 25 years. He has reviews this week on the 2020 Prius Prime and Yaris, the 2020 Mazda CX-30, and the 2020 Chevrolet Bolt EV. And that's the one where Casey is wearing the MPB t-shirt that we sent him. We've been talking about check engine codes and reading them in between your car questions. So we hope you'll uh, email us your questions, auto at mpbonline.org let's go to eric in memphis eric thanks so much for calling in today uh what's your comment or question good morning ladies thank you for taking my call um allison i have a a problem my son and i my son purchased a 1975 well he bid it on a 1975 chevy camaro on ebay we went and got the car it's a basket case I've had the transmission, 350 uh, short tail rebuilt. I've had the engine um, rebuilt. And we want to upgrade the car with some type of transplant of a complete wiring harness that does have an OB2 connection and computer that we could possibly use out of maybe a car from the junkyard or something and go up to an LS engine. So do you have any suggestions or anything? Um, I know a little bit about that, but I have some friends that that uh, actually do LS swaps all the time on these on all kinds of calls, and they would be the ones for me to talk to. They're called K A R Performance in Byram, Mississippi, and they are the ones you'd want to look up and talk to in depth about that. With that being said, from what I understand for the LS motor and to do swaps with them or to replace the wiring harness, there are a few companies doing this. So you're able to, um, you have some options there. And I would look into the forums and you're probably already familiar with looking at forums and you have a, an older enthusiast car like this um, and see what other people are swapping into their car and they're having uh, good quality with it. Um, some wiring harness companies are better than others. Um, you want the ones that use automotive quality wires. And, that's the problem. Most and that's of the companies that my son, Yeah, most of the companies that we're finding online are asking absorbent prices on like $700 up for just a standalone just to crank the engine and um, what we're finding out is most of these companies are actually going to the boneyard, snatching harnesses out of various models and makes of cars and cutting them down just to get the engine to run. Uh, and um, wow. I really didn't want something, you know, scavenged like that uh, because the harnesses in the car now is over 80% still factory. And so we're dealing with a car that really needs to be wired from head to toe. Yeah, I see. Well, um, that's when you want to go to some super pros like my friends who do the LS swaps all the time and see what they've, they're having success with and what they use regularly. Um, if you want to shoot us an email, and Liz, what's our email address? 
auto at mpbonline.org. Auto at mpbonline.org and shoot us an email and I'll ask my friends and see what they're using for their LS swaps for their wiring harness companies and, and to swap it to OBD2. Um, I'm, yeah, you know, I'm pretty sure they would have some good suggestions for that. Yeah, because most of the guys that are on YouTube and most of the forms that I've found are running the four sevens and the five threes, and they're just mounting an Edelbrock or a Holly intake and a carburetor on it to bypass running the wire harness. I so see. When you do that, mm-hmm. yeah, when you do that, then you don't have the OB2 hookups. Right. Well, Eric, I hope we can get you set up. Uh, remember, give us an email auto at mpbonline.org and we'll see what uh, Allison can hook you up with. Thanks so much for calling. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Let's go to Jackson. Herbert's called in. What's your comment or question for autocorrect, Herbert? Uh, Yeah, I just wanted to talk about a particular brand of a cold reading. Uh, I purchased a fixed cold reader they advertise on television all the time and uh it's only about 59 dollars and it seems to tell you in plain english what's wrong with your cough when you plug it in i just wondered if you had an experience with that brand um what brand was that again it's called fixed f-i-x-d you know they advertise it all the time on television yeah that does sound familiar to me Uh, um yeah, and I'm glad you're having success with that. So say that name brand again. It was fixed. Yeah, it's called fixed, as if you fixed something. That's just the name fixed. of the cold read. Herbert, we're uh, so glad that that one worked for you. That is fantastic. We always like to know what really did work for somebody. Well, well you know, it's fairly inexpensive. I heard a guy talking about one he bought for about a hundred dollars. Right. This one is pretty cheap, and it actually right. explains. The I actually use one that's only twenty dollars. Really? Okay. Yeah, and it just yeah. well, I mean, I, I it just simply reads the code, and then I go and dig further into my resources. Um, but so it's just it's just a quick code reader, and that's you know twenty dollars off of eBay when I where oh, I got yeah. it, you know. So okay, yeah, there's a variety I'll, of prices. Okay, I'll, I'll, you know, I'm just curious whether we, we were familiar with that brand, but but it seemed like a fairly inexpensive one that actually works. Fantastic! Thank you so much for that uh, testimonial, Herbert. We appreciate it. Let's go to Meridian, and Greg is on the line. Greg, thanks for calling in to AutoCorrect. What's your comment or question for our show? Uh, I have a question about a, a, a tie balancing a, a tie. I, I had my tie balanced, and I was rolling my tie to the car, and it wouldn't roll straight. It was lean to the side and 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 fall and i'm thinking if i got my time balance right it will roll straight as i roll it with my hand toward my car i'm not sure if the uh when it when they do a tire balance it does a road test to test the tread to make sure the tread is 
even. So that was even, and then the rest of the tire balanced out. Um, I'm not sure if it would roll particularly straight when it's on the ground, but on the car, it should roll true um, if it was balanced properly. Right, okay. This was a brand new time. I, I, would t- okay. I remember when I was young, and uh, they were told me every time time one roll straight, you know, when you roll it with your hand, they were off balance. I don't know. I'm just trying to find out. You know, I actually don't have a whole lot of experience with balancing tires. Um, tires are really heavy, and I just right. I didn't focus on that when I was in school for it. And as working on my own, I've never worked in a tire place and dealt with tires much. So I, I don't have as much experience with that. But I would talk to a, a tire guy that right. has more experience with that. It's particularly in the area of, of tire balancing. But like I said, when they put it on the balance machine, it does do a road test before it balances the tire to make sure the tread is in good condition. And so if it's not, it won't let you balance it. So I know that's part of the process with balancing a tire. So it should should be rolling good if it was if it balanced out. Okay. All right, Greg. Well, we hope that helped, and you can find a, a tire balance expert who could uh, give you a little bit more information. Thank you so much for calling in. We've been discussing how to read the check engine codes and taking your repair questions. You can send us an email always, auto at mpbonline.org. What's in the news? This is AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. is autocorrect. If you've missed any of our live program, you can listen to the whole show autocorrect.mpbonline.org. Stay tuned at 11 a.m. It's Southern Remedy Kids and Teens with Dr. Morgan McLeod. The show that we did where we talked about uh, check engine lights before was our November 29th of 2018. So you may want to check that one out for a little bit more about check engine lights. What's in the news? The Honda Fit is getting discontinued in the U.S. along with the Civic Coupe and the Manual Accord. Allison, it just dismays me that the auto companies are moving away from the less expensive, smaller cars, and all they want to sell are these great big SUVs and trucks. 
It bothers me too. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I, if if people are if that's what people are going to give them their money for, then you know it's I'll just have to find me a niche market of uh, the less than fifty thousand dollar vehicles. Right. Like our expert from Edmonds was talking about when the gas prices went down, people are getting these bigger vehicles. When the gas prices, if they do go up, which they probably will at some point, they'll go back to the small vehicles, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm Liz Gill, and I'm with the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker, ASE certified. We've got a couple of phone calls and a couple of emails to wrap us up today. Let's go to Ela in Memphis. Ela, thank you so much for calling in today. What's your comment or question? I actually have a weird or maybe off-topic question. Uh, we just came across a Cadillac 1997 with only 30,000 miles on it. It's in amazing shape. I mean, not a ding on it. I don't think it's ever been rained on. I mean, just amazing. You open the hood, and you can see North Star, just beautiful. And I'm not even a car person, and I'm drooling. I just wanted to know how one could price that, because you can't find this kind of thing on Edmonds or, you know, anything like that. Everything that I have found in that year and make and model are, um, you know, a hundred and some odd thousand miles on it, 130, 150, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you, well, the, the best thing you could do is try to find something like it in that mileage range and get an idea of what they're selling what for. Like but because that's kind of hard to find, it's going to be based on how much do you want the car and how much are they willing to sell it for, how how can you negotiate with them to get the price that you want, oh, no, no. or if you're selling it, how to, you, you're just going to have to wing it. I have the car. I'm trying to figure out how much I should sell it for. How you should sell it. Um, you're just you're oh, going to... You might want to talk to maybe an appraiser for older cars that might can help you with that. Someone that, that deals them and sells them and kind of see if they'll help you out with an answer. Maybe they'd be willing to, to kind of give you like an appraisal and give you an idea of how much and possibly even do a commission thing to sell something that nice that would be, I think, something that would sell relatively okay. easily. So um, that's, what about that's insurance? Would insurance folks know? Because they have to do that kind of thing all the time as far as trying to insure it and say what the value of it is and stuff, right? They may have a hard time figuring it out also on something okay. like that. That's kind of a rare car to yeah. have such low mileage. And it's not like it's from the 70s or something like that. We're talking wow. late 90s. Um, so it's pretty much a unicorn. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're gonna have you're probably gonna have a hard time finding something similar to base it on, but I would try and um and and just you know research that and see if you can find something that's similar and then you can kind of get an idea of how to price it on that and then the I would just bid high put put a high number out there put a put a crazy number out there and then see what people come back with. And you, that can kind of give you an idea where it's at also. Okay. All right. Um, fair enough. 
You could have just said good luck and hung up on me, but you didn't. I appreciate it. No, I, I try to help when I can. <laughs> Thank you. You guys have a good day. Thanks, Ela. We appreciate you calling in. Uh, Allison, we've got a couple of emails let's go to. Uh, they've called in about the code readers. This is Donna, and she has a 2007 Mercedes MLS 350, and she got a dashboard message, ABS slash ESP malfunctioned. Donna wants to know, is it safe to drive? She did not have any braking problems after the message came up. Any insight is most appreciated. Um, absolutely. Um, on that, basically, when you have an ABS light come on or EST or track traction control light of some sort come on it's basically telling you it just cut those systems off until you find out what the problem is and you have to scan it and read the code and figure out why those lights have come on it could be as simple as like my friend had a wheel speed sensor i had it on my prius happen where it simply came loose from the bracket and the tire rubbed it and so it's reading a code, and it, it, so it just turns it off until you fix the problem. Now, with that being said, basically it just turned off your traction control. So if you had an emergency situation, you're more likely to flip the car or roll over instead of the traction control working to keep you stable. Um, your ABS is turned off, so you're more likely for your brakes to lock up if you have an emergency situation. Those are only applicable in emergency situations. On daily driving and daily braking, your car is going to function as normal, and it does not hurt to drive it until you get it fixed. So she's okay to drive it if she's listening and um, until she gets the code fixed, but she simply does not have her anti-lock braking system or her traction control system working until she gets it fixed. Thank you so much, Allison. We appreciate you giving all this good information. Folks, you remember Allison volunteers to do this. Uh, we appreciate her so much for uh, giving of her time uh, because she's just a good soul like that. Um, I think it's it's fabulous when anybody gives to the community and uh, it, it gives back of their knowledge. So thank you so much, Allison, for being with us today. Uh, I hope you have a great weekend, Allison. That's going to wrap us up for today's AutoCorrect. Our call screener for, ta for today, it's been, oh, it's the marvelous Java Chapman. And our board engineer is the fabulous Michelle McAdoo. So for Allison Walker, the best volunteer uh, mechanic <laughs> MPB has, who you can follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as The Lady Auto Mechanic. I'm Liz Gill. We hope you'll join us each Thursday for AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.